Hello and welcome to the very first episode of James Bond and Friends. James Bond can't be with us today as he's on assignment, so I'm your fill-in host, James Page from MI6 and all our various spin-offs, including MI6 Confidential Magazine. Today's podcast was recorded on Friday, March the 8th, 2019, and I'm joined by special guests from around the world. I'm currently in snowy Washington State, and I have with me Paul, Calvin, and David. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. All right, I'm Paul Atkinson. I'm from New Zealand, in case the accent hasn't clued you to that one already. I've been around the community since about 2003. Um, I'm a... Uh, television researcher from New Zealand. And over to you, Calvin. Yeah, well, hi, I'm Calvin Dyson, um, speaking from a very rainy Wimbledon right now. Uh, and you might know me from my YouTube site, where I've been posting Bond-related reviews and other silly videos for a good few years now. Um, yeah, and, and that's probably my only main qualification as a Bond fan. So uh, over to you, David. Okay, and I am David Lee. I live in, well, basically the Costa Brava in northeast Spain. Uh, I've been a, a Bond fan since I can remember, uh, probably about seven or eight years old. I run the jamesbonddossier.com and I'm author of the complete guide to the drinks of James Bond. Um, that's it. Uh, I think that's, that pretty much sums me up. All right, guys. So um, usually we talk about something that wasn't necessarily timely, but given this is our first episode and there's been so much news about Bond 25 over the past week, some of it news, some of it rumor, some of it just crap <laughs> in the tabloids. Um, so I wanted to get everybody's take first on um, – was everybody as thrilled as Eon to announce another delay for a tweet? <laughs> what an odd April choice 8th. of words, wasn't it? Like, yes. thrilled. Very, very curious. Uh, yeah, no, obviously it's, yeah, it's really worrying. I don't know. I don't have not met anyone yet who thinks it's a, a cause for celebration. Uh, it's just especially worrying considering that they moved it the previous time to Valentine's Day. And it's worrying to think that they were at a point then where they could comfortably aim for that and for only for it to be pushed back a couple of months further. So, yes, well, you very, see, now very... I don't have any um, Valentine's plans. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, now when your website gets up to Bond 25 announcement dot 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 three... <laughs> in the URL line, you've got some problems going on, haven't you? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I'd, uh, I've got a, a slightly different perspective on it, which is basically that uh, although I'm not thrilled by the news, um, I think it recognise it, it shows that Eon recognise that they've got a problem with the script and they they're actually able to do something about it. Uh, they'd be in a much worse situation really or the film would be in a much worse situation if they didn't realize they had a problem with the script and if they don't have a good script uh the film isn't going to be good it's as simple as that yeah so i mean looking back in recent years um some of your favorite films david die another day mm -hmm. you know delayed a year <laughs> for a, delayed a year for a script rewrite uh <laughs> um specter delayed a year for, I, I'm, uh, I am. Uh, I am a Spectre fan. Oh, that's right. It's Skyfall that's your favorite, isn't it? I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, doing delays for uh, and the world is not enough. Obviously, I had a script rewrite as well. But I mean, they're, they're not. It's not usually a good sign, is it, that we see a delay for a script polish? 
Mm. I think um, probably the main problem is it's going through so many people's hands, and so nobody actually knows it from back to front anymore. Well, that's it. It's kind of because I know that it's it's obviously like a common thing for these kind of huge productions to have many different you know script doctors and hands on it, and most of them never even get credited, of course. But um, yeah, so I, I don't know how much of this is just seeping out, you know, because it's Bond, um, and and it isn't really a huge cause for concern, or whether it is, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, the the first delay was inevitable, really, because um, when uh, Danny Boyle walked off the film, you know, they needed time to find a new director. And once they had a new director, he had to get his feet under the table. He needed to, mm. you know, uh, uh, get all the strands of what was going on and then mold it into what uh, he uh wanted to do with, with with the film and you know uh take that script and 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 shape it how he wanted to do it rather than how it was at the time so um i, I think the fact that they've very publicly changed director uh during this whole process it means that it is different to to some of the previous occasions Hmm. I mean, is there a question to be asked about auteurs versus company men? And we've had a lot of company men during the course of the Bond series, and now we are experimenting a little bit. Well, we're in a, if you look at it in a long timeline, we're experimenting a lot more with sort of an age of auteurs, age of people who want to put a real mark on the thing, who are hired because of their previous work, not because of their loyalty to the company per se. No, that's, um, that's absolutely right, yeah. And I, I, I don't have any strong opinions on whether that's a, you know, a good thing, a bad thing, but it's certainly something to recognize. And it says certainly something that has, I think, contributed to the number of films that they've made in the course of the last 20 years, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm. Yes. I, I don't think John Glenn asked for a rewrite of a script. <laughs> right? It was just a two-year, 24-month sausage machine at that point, right, where we were turning out films. And, you know, there's reasons for that with the contract they had with MGM and UA that they had to produce a film every two years, otherwise it'd be renegotiated. But, you know, so without that kind of pressure, and as you say, Paul, without, without a company, man, it's everybody has to do their spin on it. And, yeah. I guess it's except just... for... I'm oh, sorry, go on. I, I was going to say, except for, I, I would say, you know, they brought Martin Campbell on to do his two films whilst they were writing it. Mm. So it was... It was done in parallel versus writing it and then writing the draft and then bringing a director in, mm. which seems to be the I issue. Mean, um, would anybody want to return to the sausage machine years, though? <laughs> I'd, I'd be happy with that. I think the sausage machine years produced some very great, uh, yeah, action it's movies. A good sausage. <laughs> Is it a matter of uh, quantity over quality, or can you hit both benchmarks at the same time? Well, I mean, the problem is when you bring in these like auteur directors. Like I think I think that Mark Forster was one of the first ones. Yes, he um, was. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I don't know if people would call Michael Apted that, but you know, I, I think it's been a mixed bag. And when the direction in a Bond film is standing up and you know pointing at itself and saying, "Oh, pay attention! Look at this lovely shot that I've composed and all that," it, it's I, it's hit and miss. It's love it or hate it. I think so. Just having a safe pair of hands is good enough for me. Another Michael Apted one. That's fine. Yeah, I think like what, you know, people thought Sam Mendes would do that for Skyfall, right? He would mm. be another coming off Mark Forster, art house director. Mm. Sam would being a theatre guy, but his kind of oh look at this moments were about the franchise, mm. not not him as a director. Yeah, I think 
that maybe have changed Inspector a little bit, but mm, um, mm. but it's more like his theatre buddies were all in the film. Yeah, I still can't get over the dead are alive. That's just ugh, haunts me. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of foreshadowing, then, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, I, I was thrilled about the delay because it meant I didn't have to post Instagram pictures every day for a little while. I had to take a break. <laughs> Because they really buggered up the timeline of the countdown, so we're on Instagram hiatus for a couple months. Oh yeah, of course. Well, I admire your faith in them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you believed them in the first place, James. <laughs> right, but in mean, April eighth has quickly turned into asterisk. By the way, it's actually yes. April third. Mm. Mm. So, so yes, I think it's it's interesting to see, especially in Twitter, um. Um, newer fans, you know, who are who came on board the franchise in the last few years. To them, this is all um, chaos and unprecedented, and what's going on, and it's going to be disaster. It's like, yeah, we've seen it before. It just <laughs> happened lots of times, and sometimes it works out. We still talk about the dark years between License to Kill and Golden Eye, like there's some kind of admiration, and now it's the norm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. I know. Yeah, we need to move somewhere between what we are, what, what we're living now, and the sausage machine. So it means to be, means half sausage and half uh, auteur directors. <laughs> prime rib. <laughs> yeah, prime rib. <laughs> that was a struggle from a vegetarian perspective to work out what the appropriate sort of metaphor was there. <laughs> With cheese. So is it is everybody confident that um, the new director and the time to do the script is actually going to improve things, given that they already decided the sets and locations and probably the stunts already, and now it's just a case of putting them in a blender and coming out with a different story? Yeah, if, to a certain extent, uh, it always happens that uh, you know they think of the the uh, set pieces and shoehorn them shoehorn them into the plot anyway. So uh, I don't think it'll make that much difference. But um, as regards to the director, I've never seen anything by him, so I can't I can't comment. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I still haven't. People keep raving about uh, the first season of True Detective, I think he directed. And I know that he's got a series on Netflix uh, that I've just been meaning to get around to. But uh yeah. They're quite different pieces. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, uh, Maniac is um, sort of like a. I mean, I've watched not enough of it to judge properly, but it is, um, you know, weirdness almost for the sake of weirdness. Um, Whereas um, True Detective is probably more how I would imagine a a James Bond film to come out of Fukunaga. Yeah, it, when when he was first announced, uh, somebody put me onto a. Um, uh, it was like a, a six-minute uh, um, shot from True Detective, and uh, that that did look pretty good. But you know, unless you see it within the the, uh, the context of the entire episode, it, mm. it doesn't mean that much. Uh, but you know, people people did say to me at the time that it it was a good good move. That yeah, I of- was my. I was going to say my first my, my first knee jerk reaction to the announcement was oh he did True Detective oh does that mean we're going to have Matthew Mahogany <laughs> as Felix Leiter because <laughs> <laughs> these directors they love bringing their old castmates in to do roles yeah, so. they certainly do yeah it's funny to think like how much Sam Mendes has uh, 
casting choices of like is obviously bringing in Ben Whishaw and uh, Ray Fiennes theatre Hamlet buddies Andrew Scott yeah yeah Andrew Scott hmm. yeah I, I, I've, got, I've got to say uh, I didn't like Andrew Scott in Inspector at all I I just thought his maybe it was the way the character was written but um, he just didn't seem evil enough to me i I suppose Mm. well they were doing this sort of weird halfway house where i I think you're supposed to know that he's not to be trusted right away but then i think you're also supposed to be a bit surprised when it turns out that he's a villain so so him being a sneery shit in the first scene was not (laughs) very subtle was it (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's a bit like calling the film uh specter and and, oh no 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 uh christoph waltz is not blowfield no 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 Mm. he's not not, not at all. Nope. Yeah. yeah. It projected a really good twist, though, didn't it? <laughs> the sarcasm. Uh, the sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think also, I mean, if if you hire the guy that pays Sherlock Holmes' nemesis mm. in popular culture, he, he's not going to be a good one, is he? Mm. I mean, that's very true. It was a bit telegraphed. Yeah. And Christoph Waltz never plays. Well, he plays. He's known for playing villains. I mean, it was. It was just. Why lie about it? Mm. I mean, they they when when um, for Skyfall they refused to confirm Ben Whishaw was playing Q mm. and Money Penny, yeah, and Money Penny, and Money Penny as So well. it's like, yeah. In fact, the the funny thing with uh, with with the Money Penny thing was that um, um, oh, I can't remember her name at the at the moment. No, no, no. Yeah, Naomi Harris. She was interviewed. I think it was in the in the Mail or something like it that. It was the Daily and Mail. She she said, "Oh yeah, and I'm playing Money Penny, blah blah blah." And next thing, Eon and she were denying it. And it's <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I I don't think like I I don't know if every Bond film needs to be an act of surprise when the villain is revealed. It's like they were previously promoted on like you know, oh yeah. You know, Charles Gray's Blofeld and Yafet Kotas right. Kanangra and all that. It's it's never right. really. I, I guess there's the electricist in Twine, but mm. going back to the sausage machine days, mm. it was usually first act. Here's the villain. Here's what he's going to do. Go stop him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was it. There was no like mystery to unpick. Mm. And um, why we now are at this like position now where everything has to be super secret Mm. which just goes which i think you know i i can understand like they want to make the first viewing experience like wow but that twist doesn't work the second time you watch it right because you see it coming so why not just do the the old tried and tested formula Mm -hmm. i've got got a great twist for bond 26 then they they can they can sign a new bond but say no 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 he's not bond (laughs) (laughs) He's uh, he's a MI6 agent colleague. Yes, <laughs> and the, the James Bond does not appear in this James Bond film, right. <laughs> like this podcast. <laughs> well, he'll be back next week, so no, don't yes, he will. About that. <laughs> so, speaking of like Eon blatantly lying and thinking people are dumb enough to <laughs> accept what they say. I mean, the the thing is now that's worked against them, right? Mm. Because the whole Shatterhand, I mean, frankly, bullshit, right? Thing, working title, which we've had since 1997. Yeah. I, Googled, I Googled our own website and found it was, oh, yeah, it was mentioned in 1997 mm. um, as a working title. Um, now that they're 
publicly saying, you know, they they retweeted our Instagram thing uh, about that signature we found. Now there's a conspiracy theory that oh, it's a double bluff. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because they can't deny anything now because the stuff they've denied is proven yeah, to be lies. <laughs> something um, interesting about this whole thing and the uh, who was it? It was uh, India Grace um, got her autograph signed and posted it on on Instagram, and uh, then. Uh, she she pulled it down off Instagram. I, I think she was a bit pissed off because I think it was um, it wasn't the mail. I think it was the Express used it, and she she wasn't very happy with that. And mm. um, and you know various uh, uh, you know very it, it was shared everywhere on on Twitter and, and Instagram and just about everywhere saw it. And then um, so that that that's half the story. But then the other story was was that she put it back on and then she put it back on Instagram and the official 007 Instagram account uh, regrammed it, which it's, the, the interesting thing about this is it's kind of two ends of, of, of something. One is how if you put something on, on social media, you lose control of it immediately. And the other is hmm. how Eon, they don't use um, social media very well most of the time and, and they, they, hmm. could, they could help uh, they, they could shape the story uh, much more often than they than they actually do. Very simply, and this is one occasion when they actually took the initiative and did that and shut down the the, sh- the uh, Shatterhand story. Except for the Daily Star, because they you know they're like three weeks behind. <laughs> so my question is: did, did Barbara do this as a, a deliberate ploy to to actually send a signal, or is it just a, a joke at the end of the day where she was asked to sign the millionth autograph and it happened to be on a beautifully titled treatmented piece of paper and she was like, oh, hell, I'll just scribble on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something oh. that is now like the biggest news in Bond in the last, you know, three days. Oh, totally. I, I don't think she had any yeah, idea that it would go viral as it did or, or anything like that. Um, but, you yeah, know, it, it is really odd to, to David's point about the official, you know, 007 pages, like getting involved in this kind of thing. I was quite surprised when I saw them, yeah, reposting that because they never normally engage in, you know, fandom in that kind of a way. It's very surprising. And yeah, now I just, I don't know whether it's going to be Shatterhand, probably not. But then this made me question whether or not it was and it was a double bluff. I don't know. No, I, I, I don't think I don't think it's going to be. I never thought it, it would be. Um, but it, it, it's funny with with. The, it, it is funny with their social media stuff because I, I remember when they set up all their their Twitter and Facebook and stuff, and their social media uh, got in contact with me. I'm sure they got in, in in touch with you guys, and it was oh yeah, we're doing this and we're going to do that, and if there's anything, uh, get in contact. Then uh, after that, it was nothing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a little bit of sport for a while of people correcting them, right when they. Mm-hmm. They, they did the Alan Partridge stop getting Bond wrong for for a good six months where they were posting <laughs> the wrong dates, the wrong names, um, mm. the wrong films sometimes. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a fine line to tread. And I can see why they don't want to comment on anything. But the other, the other you know, conspiracy theory that I saw floating around was, well, Purvis and Wade uh, wrote the script and they always like trying to find a bit of unused Fleming to, to, to squeeze in. So... Maybe that's why you know they were kicking Shatterhand around, but I don't, I don't buy that. Considering at the end of Spectre they buried Hildebrand in there, like real quietly, mm-hmm. yep. and everybody's forgotten about it. <laughs> and I don't know whether that was Purvis and Wade. I mean, we've interviewed them multiple times, and they get a lot of 
um, heat from the fan community who don't understand that directors ruin their scripts quite a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, they didn't come up with the invisible car. It was camouflage mm. and all the rest of it. Right. Um, but you know, they put Hildebrand in there. I was thinking the other day was, was that something they threw in there for shiggles, you know, mm. or did they actually have a plan for it? You know, that if they came back and did another one, then that's something that they anchored into the Inspector to, to bring into the next film. Or is it going to be one of those? Yeah, it's, it's, just, an, it's just an Easter egg, you know. That hadn't even crossed my mind. Yeah, good point. <laughs> but you know, I don't. You know, I like the fact that they changed it from a rare fish to a name of a bookshop. You know, so <laughs> we'll see. Next Bond but. film, the villain is the disgruntled used bookstore owner. <laughs> yes, he's just shaking, shaking his fist at eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Who dresses up and does rock concerts partway through the year. Uh... <laughs> it's going to be the first James Bond musical, I'm so certain of it. <laughs> oh, yes, we should talk about that one day, but that's something that went away very quickly due to legal action. Yes. What, a James Bond musical? Yes. I never heard about that. Oh, yes, we, that's a topic for another day, and it was a, it was a real thing that was moving along, and then it, it got shut down. James Bond oh. and the Cursed Child. <laughs> yes. uh, that's... Uh... That's what three, four years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, so soon, like recently. Wow, I'm just, yeah. yeah, wow. Okay, it's coming out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I kept it very quiet. I'll have you know. <laughs> I like the subtle plug. Yeah, so um, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. It was 2015. Um, it was the daughter of Harry Saltzman. Um, oh, I tell a lie. I do remember hearing about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah. So the plan was that through uh, it was Mary Saltzman. Um, the less the, I like how Playbill put, called her the first and lesser known of the three children. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really putting on her pedestal. Um, yeah, so she had some deal. Apparently, she thought that she had the rights to do James Bond the musical with an original storyline, several Bond villains, and mm. some new ones. She probably does in Canada yes. though. Yeah, in yeah, Canada. That's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Good mm. point. So, um, one of the other things I wanted you guys to give your take on was um, it's not very often that we see a Bond girl come back into the city. It's been 1963 since the last time that properly happened. Mm. Um, how would you use Madeline Swan's character in the film without it being a rehash of? On a Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, or... you know, this is this is something I've got no idea of, of what they're going to do and how to do it well. Because there, there's a danger, you know. On one hand, mm. if they kill her off at the beginning, which is kind of what uh, many people are are predicting, um, then uh, it's just On a Majesty's Secret Service. If they don't do that, then it's going to be uh, Bond and friends again. Um, you know, it's going to be Bond with Money Penny and Q and M and Madeline Swan and anybody else he meets along the way. I mean, how uh, he's he's going to need an Aston Martin SUV for a start, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> You're expecting to to have had three kids by this point. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Certainly time for it, yeah. Good point. Well, you know, one of the more interesting conspiracy theories slash fan theories I saw on the MI6 Facebook page recently was one of the commenters said, didn't Madeline tell us that she killed somebody as a child? And isn't the scene they're setting up in uh, Norway at the moment involve a 
a break-in at a house and a little girl shooting somebody. So does that tie into her backstory and how does that fit the bigger picture? But my, I would ask, why do we need to see that? Mm. If it is a flashback, you mean? What? Exactly. Why have the flashback? Mm. She told the story on the train. We don't mm. need to see everything. Right. I mean, that's filmmaking 101, right, is is don't show everything. I mean, why do we need to go back and relive some anecdote about why he didn't have to show how to use a gun? I mean, that's pretty much mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. Right. I mean, totally. I mean, flashbacks are just not a done thing in Bond anyway, are they? I can't remember. I mean, I know that there's the projection in on Her Majesty's Secret Service of uh, Tracy being dragged away. I'm having a hard time thinking of another flashback I've, I've got a i've got a good one um the entire pre-title sequence of golden is actually a flashback ah uh, true yeah uh, yeah hmm. and the hey, hey, majesty's yeah. credits including connery smug smiles and mm-hmm. yeah. ladies on the beach and whatnot so they're going to do yeah, 30 years earlier re- in the, you know as a graphic lower third hmm but then if they do that, presumably Madeline would be a big part of the, the narrative, which would be disappointing. Uh, I mean, I don't know about how you guys feel about her. I'm not a massive fan of Inspector. I'm all for them bringing back a, a Bond girl uh, to, you know, an actress to play the same character, but um, not her, not considering how she was used Inspector. You know what I'd love? I, I'd love it if they tried to make a go of it in the opening sequence and they had an argument about something innocuous <laughs> and he refuses, he, ref, he changes the Netflix password <laughs> and they split up and they break up. Well, you can't That's make the scrambled eggs just the way he likes them. <laughs> well, I would kind of be in favor of that. Like in, um, you know, the, the books when Bond will refer back to previous Bond girls and Tiffany Case is one that springs to mind because you do get a few pages of Bond just talking about, you know, musing about how their relationship broke down and, all that kind of thing. I'm not sure how interesting that would be on screen to just see Bond having a domestic, uh, and presumably then she'd be out of the film. I, I think he'd be on the phone with Money Penny, <laughs> and in the background you would hear her just yelling at him, and like he's like, "Book me a plane ticket." <laughs> I, I know how it's going to go now. There's there's um, there's going to be this domestic scene, and uh, they can't decide on the Netflix, and then she says, "James." You remember that I know how to use a gun. Then they have this flashback. Then she takes out his own his gun and shoots him dead. That's it. Uh, and then Matthew Mahogany is the new James Bond. <laughs> I can't remember where I read this now, but it was just today when I was about this this setup about the um, the young girl on the frozen lake in the set they're building in Norway. Someone was hypothesizing that it could be like, you know, their child. Um, and they've shacked up in some lodge somewhere. Uh, and there's seen to do with that. Um, well, they've never, how do you guys feel about that? Jumping forwards a few years. I mean, that would, that, that could make sense to make the girl yeah. old enough. Well, I don't know if you remember, but you know, um, Paul Haggis's first pass at quantum of solace script was bond chasing down Vespa's kid. Right, yep. daughter, mm. um, which obviously you know that's a dumb idea, and of course you know having Blofeld as his half brother or something isn't stupid either. But you know it's it's funny how mm. they jettisoned that as being not Bondian, and then they they had the whole Spectre plot line. But um, mm. Austin Powers. But um, if if you look at the Dateline, I mean Craig's Bond could have had a kid in Casino Royale, and they'd be going to high school now. Oh, God, that's depressing. <laughs> oh, wow. 
And if he did Bond 26, that kid would be old enough to have a kid. So he could be a grandfather. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it turns out that the, the whole thing about the 007 being a, a code, code name is that um, it's just passed down from father to son. Ah, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work if it's his daughter, though, does it? And, you know, in, in fact, uh, I, I suppose given it's 2019, they ought to uh, change the rules on that so that it can be. Mm. Oh, and, you know, speaking, I mean... Bond. Well, in the casting notes, it does say female MI6 agent, mm. which mm. we, you know, which was the casting notes for Rose for Miranda Frost back in Bond yes. Go, yeah. going back to that again, and Beyond the Ice, as it was known then, um, mm. which was another, you know, just to hark back to like people think all this stuff is new. No, we live with Beyond the the Ice as the fake title for like I think three months, and we <laughs> had people doing websites and Beyond the Ice websites and a band making a song. Uh, the arguably, arguably better title. <laughs> so, Paul, you had an idea about that, the, the Norway paperwork, right? Which was oh, right. Yes. No. So, so some paperwork emerged on the internet recently, included you know the the, the Bond twenty five letterhead, and also this uh, this beautiful title treatment for True North. And I couldn't help but think that's probably a better title than Shatterhand. Mm. But it turns out to be the fixes in Norway. Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah, they're, in... they're, they're called True North, True North Norway. Yeah, mm. yeah. But yeah, maybe that's a ruse. <laughs> we we established a production company six years ago so that we could operate under the pretense of that being the production company. But actually, it's the title. Well, because we, um, for for Spectre, they they scouted Norway, didn't they? So uh, perhaps they thought, I oh, know we're not going to use it this time around because we're going to Austria, but we'll set up a production company anyway, so that that can be. Uh, we'll use that as the title as, as of Bond twenty five when we get to it. But uh, we'll just set it up. That's where David Wilson's been all this time. <laughs> so so uh, going around everybody nobody's too excited about swan coming back right as a character well it, it, yeah. I, I i think um i think she she could have been um she, she, her her relationship with bond could have been handled much better than it was and i think one of the key things about it was that it, the whole thing w was rushed and it needed more a bit more time there, there was too much inspector in a way they should have cut allow cut out a lot of the uh too much introspection well they, 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 they could have they could have cut the whole mi5 c thing out yes and for, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, plus the uh, that, that's, that's a that's a hangover from the earlier script, which was the whole plot was Blofeld's passport being revealed, and a PowerPoint presentation at MI5 was the climax. And I'm kind of I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's really what it was. Was the last thing. No way. Yes, it was basically wow. yes. And somebody put his passport image up on the screen or something mm. during the presentation at MI5. And that was the climax. And it was James Bond and friends trying to stop the presentation. It's like, yeah, so yeah. it's like so. the, the old, old style Bond is blow everything up at the end. New style Bond is death by PowerPoint. Right. <laughs> right. So the news that broke today, because we're recording this just for everybody who's listening on Friday, the 8th of March, um, was that. Variety have an exclusive, which you know, <laughs> we, we, re 
we reported, I think, six weeks ago that um, <laughs> southern Italy is going to be used as a filming location. And I was like, oh, you know, yeah, when I, I first I love, when I loved how they said it's an exclusive Christ. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> to them it is, because yeah. uh, they don't read anything else. <laughs> no. um, but I was like, oh, not again. And then I realized that um, Skyfall was the only Craig movie not shot in Italy. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've pointed that out too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So are we there? excited to go and do it again for the fourth time? Uh, I, I, I was hoping they'd shoot around here. There's some great scenery, and it would mean that I could uh, you know, pop up in the middle of the uh, of some kind of action or something. Yes, and then you wouldn't be one of those people that would like tell everybody about it, and then they'd have to recut the film to take you out of it because that's never happened before, right? In the fan community, it's, so that person knows hey, who, hey. who he is. That that person knows who he is and is listening. But um, yes. <laughs> But um, I was like, oh, Italy again, they're going to do it somewhere exciting and new, and it's it's where they shot Wonder Woman. So everybody will oh. have seen it before, Matara. Mm. I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's that beautiful, ancient, cliff-edged town with the scenery. Um, so, yeah, it's not like Bond to go to somewhere that's been very popular recently. Um, <laughs> so I'm wondering if we're going to see Monica Bellucci again. Ah, that would be interesting. Oh, yeah, good point. I guess they'd have to have some narrative reason to get him back there, because otherwise it's just, yeah, happenstance that he's ended up going to Italy four out of five films. Yeah, or maybe his, you know, his frequent flyer miles just... <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's I mean, they, they have three, photographed it well. Buy three, get one in... free trip to Italy. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have photographed it well in all the previous ones, so I, you know... Maybe I, it's not going to be a problem. I don't think it has anything to do with the 30% tax rebate and the 20 million euros. But, you know, I'm cynical. <laughs> <laughs> I never would have guessed. <laughs> but that's about it for locations we've had. I mean, the, the, other, the only thing that was, like, exclusive in that uh, – well, it wasn't even in Varieties, was it? Sorry. Baz and the Daily Mail – dropped in surreptitiously yesterday oh by the way they're probably shooting jamaica yeah i'd heard jamaica Mm. for a while and that um greg wilson was supposed to be out there but uh, i couldn't get any confirmation on that so it's not something that i ever bothered sharing so uh, i think that 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 does sound like it's going to happen Jamaica's mm. not the kind of place it was in the 60s, though. <laughs> we last went there when it was the the plot point for every other James Bond novel yeah. filming, right? I mean, <laughs> and, and, yeah, the, the, changed a little I mean, bit. I, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay with them going to, to Jamaica, depending on how they, they use it, but um, it would be awful if you just uh, it pops up at Goldeneye or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> and the, the thing is, I wouldn't put it past Dion to do that. You mean like <laughs> that Money Penny flies out to be with him and she writes him a note on Fleming's desk in the corner of the yeah. room. Right, or something. Yes. I'd love it if they just went all meta with it, like and he just turned up and there was like an old guy, a typewriter, and he was in the sixties and it's like being John Malkovich or <laughs> adaptation or something like that. He realizes that he's a fictitious character in somebody's imagination. <laughs> That's the plot of Maniac, isn't it? Yeah, and we, we and we go back to 1962, and away we go. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they do like a good reboot, don't they? 
Yeah, and in fact, in fact, I saw. Um, I don't know if it was on your Facebook page, James, or, or uh, I think I think it was you that MI6 that did it anyway. And you were asking um, if anybody would like to see uh, films done with a um, CGI Bond. Yes. Yes. I, no, there's two. There's two reasons why I, I threw that up there. You know, I, I, occasionally, like just to throw something controversial up, just to get everybody talking, because it's the same old news <laughs> otherwise. But the other thing was that that 3D model of Craig was pretty photorealistic. Mm. I mean, it was pretty good. It was and, awesome. And that's not the challenge. The challenge is to animate them to look sure. um, realistic, right? But um, you know. Looking at the the comic book side of the industry, you know DC's animated movies are better than their live action ones. You know, generally speaking, um, Pixar movies pretty solid. You know, the idea of having a tightly scripted, tightly directed animated film where you're not limited by budget in terms of where you go and what you do, um, mm. and the fact that you could do a period. Yes, from, yeah, you yeah, yeah. yeah, and, and you can com- you can commit to doing you know. God knows how many films with the same actor, and uh, you know, not the 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 star not uh, throw a hissy fit after each film and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, just sign some you know Rada guy up for ten years to do. The I hear Mark Hamill's available. That's right, <laughs> Toby <laughs> Stevens. Just get Toby Stevens on the phone. Um, <laughs> In the bar. <laughs> Because he's, you know, for for all the grumbling he did about his role in Die Another Day, he sure likes doing those audio plays. Um, <laughs> you know, and and just doing it. I mean, maybe not, you know, maybe not CGI in the three D sense, but just old fashioned animation would work too. I mean, obviously, it's still done, still done on computer, but I mean, it would look like hand drawn art and doing something a little bit different. I mean, I'm oh. sure if if somebody like Netflix ends up getting half of MGM stake or half of Eon stake or whatever the rumors are down the road when they pack it in. This is the kind of thing that they'll sit around the table and talk about. It's like, how do we do this? How do we make money from this thing? Get them out more frequently. Doing AAA blockbuster titles takes four years apparently now. Um, hmm. So how do we get more content out of it? And doing a retro animated series, I think, I don't know. It was met with quite a, a high level of hostility. <laughs> I think I think it was the CG, um, you know, photo real model in particular that probably got a lot of negative attention because I, I, I yeah i don't know if i'd like that but if they went down a stylized animation route with it then i think that could be yeah something very exciting was it into the spider-verse which i haven't seen apparently flips everything well, in, in, into the bond verse mm. it's all the different bonds from all the different <laughs> parallel universes well just in terms of the, the the style that they applied to it in terms of you know, you're used to seeing kind of like 3D rendered models, people flinging themselves through hyper-realistic areas um, and locations. And then they went, oh, well, actually what we're going to do is kind of make this look a bit more like you're flipping through a comic book just occasionally and subvert some of those expectations. Mm. Mm. Right. Have any of you guys seen the uh, Dynamite Casino right now? No, I I haven't seen any of those. No, I've read um, a good few of the other Dynamite comics, but not Casino Royale. Does it exist? Yes, it's finally out. It's, it's finally out. It's very different. Uh, the original artist um, left, and they got a new guy in. Uh, I'd say the art style is not something I liked. Um, hmm. It's it's very flat. Um, the I, I much prefer the other Dynamite comics, and they're they're very different hmm. too. But the, the graphic novel also squeezing. I know Casino Royale is a relatively short book, but still. 
it, it's just too compressed into that format. They went with a very aggressive low page count, obviously for production costs, I imagine. But mm. it's it's and they've got Live and Let Die coming out, which would be interesting to see how faithful they stay to that. Um, the Casino Royale one's very faithful, but it is very abridged. I mean, if mm -hmm. it was if it was a movie, it'd be like a thirty minute right. version of it. I mean, it, it's pretty it's pretty quick, and you lose you know I think you lose a lot of the atmosphere with the narrative being chopped out. So what you're saying, there's no um, Miami in the middle of it. No, right. And there's no 747 <laughs> weird thing. Um, but um, no, I mean, it's they did a really good job trying to squeeze the story down. And it's, I yeah, I think your point, Paul, of doing a stylized animation, like, you know, like DC, the DC Batman animated movies are pretty um, atmospheric and well done, but they're nothing like the mm. action, the live action movies. So, but, you know. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do it animated, you've got to do it sufficiently different so that people's expectations are subverted and all of the baggage of, you know, this is how it is and this is how it ought to be and this is how it always ought to be is is forgotten about. Because I think a lot of the people who um, come to James Bond and like James Bond, they like the almost the repetitious or the formulaic nature of it. And then when you start messing with the formula back to that auteur kind of concern again, people are more divided, whereas, you know, you put in a John Glenn film, you know where you get him. Hmm. So if you're going to change medium, you better well, you better well change the style and the format and push people out of their comfort zones as much as you can. Um, mm. Totally. Yeah. I, th I think do it a period piece, you know, fifties and smoky casinos and just having Bond smoking cigarettes again would be pretty yeah, that, that's, cool. And they could probably get away with that in animation. Yeah. It's, it's funny with with the smoking uh, that it, it doesn't seem right to have a non-smoking Bond. Uh, yeah. And no, everyone knows it's <laughs> but not he, Here's a role model, you know, he does sleep with six or seven women per episode, yeah, kill five, <laughs> six, 600 people, <laughs> but you know, this, this this is one thing that is is uh, these are these are all things to aspire to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone aspires to to uh, have a job where they can kill people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you've got it's to you've got to, say, get sense to about yeah, you've got to stay heart smart and eat the eat white omelette and make sure that you, you you're not inhaling too much nicotine. Maybe he will vape <laughs> in the future. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, there's a lot of controversy about that now as well. So uh, I think maybe that won't happen. Using your e-cigarette to stab somebody in the neck, fine. Using it to get some nicotine, yeah. not so good. But uh, <laughs> I think we're, we're not that far off until uh, they start clamping down on his booze as well. Oh, what? Yeah, no! Yeah. I, really? I, I, think, I think that'll happen. I think that'll happen in, you know, maybe not five years, but... 10, 15, the way things are going with with uh, booze, people will start complaining about it so much that they'll start cutting down on that. You know, it won't be the six Vesper mm -hmm. martinis that he had in Quantum of Solace and stuff like that. <laughs> Madeline will have a chart on the fridge that says, is it a weekend? Flow chart, yes, <laughs> no. Well, no martinis this week then. <laughs> you know, and also mm. you know, in Casino Royale, um, he... He's he's playing cards and he's he's boozing and then he, he gets in his car and uh, how how the hell can you have a hero do that? Well, see, David, that problem solves itself because by then all cars will be self-driving. Ah, good point. Mm. Yeah. Right. So you could actually have the mini bar in the front rather than the back. 
<laughs> so what th- speaking of bad things one thing uh we haven't just covered on like what we're expecting out of the next film is the villain right what does everybody think about the rumored casting of um rami got new oscar winner from bad robot uh, bad robot what am i talking about mr robot mr robot well um, I can say that uh, until the first reviews of Bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody, I'd never even heard of him. So, uh, and I haven't I haven't seen the film, so uh, I haven't seen him. So uh, I've got no. Uh, the, the only thing I'd say is that for me, he, he looks too young to be a Bond villain. I think they need to be a bit older and uh, have a bit more gravitas. But uh, walk with a limp. <laughs> Arthritis, you mean? <laughs> it's going to get us all eventually, man. <laughs> or maybe he'll I'm be. I'm kind a... of all for him. Oh, go, on. go ahead, so go, Calvin. I was going to make a. I know. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm all for him being um, younger. Uh, like, I, I don't know if it'd be, it'd just lead into more of uh, you know Craig's Bond being this grumpy dinosaur relic of the past uh, kind of narrative. Because I guess like, like Max Zorin and Gustav Graves spring to mind as villains who were quite clearly younger than Bond. Oh, and you know the, other, you know the, other, the other connection. Last movie for that actor. Oh. Oh, you're right. That's yeah. a terrible omen, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I, th- I, I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody either, just on the Rami Malek point. Um, but I remember seeing him. I've seen him pop up in lots of TV shows, kind of before Mr. Robot. He's just got a very distinctive look about him. I think he was like a terrorist on a couple of episodes of Twenty Four um, years ago. Uh, and there was something about him that's just quite, quite, you know, hypnotic. I guess I don't know something of a draw about him. It's just odd features and those crazy eyes so I'm, I'm i'm kind of in favor of it i think everybody everybody seems to be well not everybody a lot of people seem to be leaning like they're going to make him like elon musk evil elon musk or something that's what i heard but you know um i think bill from hmss pointed out in his tweet for the other day it's like joseph wiseman who played dr no was 44 when they shot dr mm. no and rami's 37 so mm. he's you know but you're right toby stevens uh, was young too um, yeah, he may have been 44, but Connery was 32 or something at the time. That's you true. See, so. mm. Yes, you're right. So, so it's the, the the villain's younger than the yeah. actor. Is the... Yeah, yeah. Oh, and um, the, the the thing about Elon Musk it actually is a, a good point because a lot of the um, uh, inverted quotes uh, villains around these days are, especially in the tech space, are youngsters who have kind of accidentally invented social um, social networks and stuff like that but uh, uh, well mm. it's it's just uh, for, for me I, I guess I'm going back to the books and in the books the the villains tend to always be older and uh, so mm. uh, I guess I'm a bit of a traditionalist there mm. so is anybody excited by the idea of being a tech villain like again I, mm. I, I hate it when they have tech villains um, because they they always screw up all the technology, don't they? <laughs> it, it just yes. it just does me in. It, it, uh, the first the first uh, one I really noticed it in was Goldeneye, and um, it, there was there was all this kind of internet stuff that they were doing, and, and it, you know Boris I, was what, doing it, I'm, and it was just oh 
I'm st- I'm I'm still waiting for that quote for that 486 with the 288 modem. I mean, <laughs> Natalia was waiting to buy because that that never that didn't date at all, <laughs> did it? Can I do it on well, my you know. <laughs> Pretend ridiculous tech. We can push it all the way back to places like I don't know, diamonds are forever with diamonds on a on a space station. What? Hmm. <laughs> So um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there was like this fan audio movie project, I think like in 2000 or something. It never went anywhere, but they kind of scripted the, the draft out. And it was, a, it was a remake of Moonraker, the novel. <laughs> but instead of um, – and it was kind of a hybrid of that and the original idea for A View to a Kill. It was quite interesting, which was it was this like dot-com guy who um, was – creating like this earth defense force of missiles so which would shoot things down if they came to earth like asteroids and stuff um and then the, the twist was like yeah there's an you know there's an asteroid they couldn't find bruce willis so they have to go to this guy to say hey can you shoot down and he holds the world to ransom because it's like hmm. yes i could do it but pay me and that hmm. was that was their way of updating moonraker to be current which i thought was an interesting idea but hmm. And now we have Elon Musk firing space. And now, and now, you know, 19 years later, we have Elon Musk doing space missions. Just, <laughs> it's all come full circle. Who, who was behind well, I that, think... James? I I can't remember. I mean, I'd, I'd love, I'd, I could probably dig it out, but um, I mean, yeah. in... it, it went, it went. They, they they spent a lot of time in the script, and when it was like, oh, we're going to do a fan version of Moonraker, everyone was like, oh, really? How are you going to do that? You know, and then it was it was actually a quite a nice way of twisting the concept mm-hmm. around. In all hmm. seriousness, the idea of privatizing space is kind of like we've we've seen it a few times now, but it is still actually significantly more relevant today than it was back in 1979. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. And whether or not, and whether or not, as a human race, we think that that's kind of like a a, a good thing that independent entrepreneurs go off and. Wanted to send rockets to Mars and this kind of stuff, um, and not to get all actually serious and, and shit. But um, I, you know, it kind of is an interesting kind of question for humanity. It's like, how do we deal with the fact that um, we went from thinking of this as being, you know, as a space race? It was like who, who's going to get there first? But it was between it was between nations. And now we're talking about independent and independently wealthy people. Yeah, and, uh, and once they start attaching lumps of plutonium to the front of them as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting a Tesla into space is the least of your problems. <laughs> Do you think Bond's ready to go back into space himself? No, <laughs> please, no. <laughs> I think that's where we should end it. Even <laughs> just if, uh, when the podcast cuts off immediately. And on that, and on that bombshell. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean to say that we can't have space intrigue. I mean, like the first couple of acts of Moonraker were quite interesting. Mm, mm. I'd be all for Craig getting on a, a spacesuit and going into orbit. As long as he poses with a 1980s looking laser, I'm all for it. <laughs> oh, damn. It's because uh, you, you didn't see, you didn't see uh, Moonraker when it first came out, did you, Calvin? No, no. Uh, no, no. Well, I, I did, so no. <laughs> I guess it was a good experience. Now I can see why you've got this obsession with the age thing. Ah, right. <laughs> so, what what was most disappointing, David? For was it coming out of Moonraker or coming out of Diamond Ooh. Day? 
Uh, ooh, uh, that's a that's a weird question, actually. Uh, Moon Moonraker. Uh, I'm just trying to think who I who went to see Moonraker with. I'm not sure I can remember. Uh, with that, uh, Die Another Day was actually the first Bond film that my wife had ever seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, she, she, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, she was quite happy when uh, Casino Royale came out. Luckily, uh, yeah, and she went to see it after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I dragged her along again. Uh, no, I, I remember we we went along, and she she thought she was going to sleep through it. She just went along because I, I wanted to go and see it, and then she said, "I couldn't believe how loud it was." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I don't I don't know that they're. They're kind of similar in in some ways, and uh, I, I think probably I was more disappointed with Moonraker because I think it was the first Bond film that uh, really let me down. In fact, uh, after that, uh, after that, uh, I got a bit used to it. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you got desensitized to it. By Die Another Day, I, I was pretty used. To, in fact, I, I lived through the whole Pierce Brosnan era. Uh, feeling let down. I, I I didn't really enjoy any of those films. So oh no way, not even Goldeneye. No, I I think it's a terrible film. <laughs> I, I, the one, the one that I, yeah, <laughs> the one that I prefer actually is the world is not enough. Oh yeah, okay. But when you say prefer, <laughs> is that still like a six <laughs> out of ten kind of thing? Positive films. Let me let, let me be very clear on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, the. No, I, my, my my favorite Bond films are the the, the first five Conneries. Uh, my favorite film is Thunderball. And um, oh boy, um, I don't know if Dave and Calvin, you could be more opposite. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fight. It's a good job we're recording these in separate rooms. Yeah. <laughs> this wow. Never met you see. <laughs> and nor will you, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I came around on Thunderball, actually, in my most recent viewing. I thought it was, yeah. No, I, 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 just really, like, the, I, I really like thing. Thunderball. Uh, the, yeah. I, I, the, my, my, my first Bond film, actually, was uh, The Man with the Golden Gun. And, uh, oh! Yeah, my, my dad took... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you're starting to realise how old I am. And... <laughs> it, my dad, my dad took me along to see it at the local cinema in summer of uh, what was it seventy seventy four? Well, I think it was something. Oh, I can't remember. Nice. And uh, and I absolutely loved it. And it's still my it's still my favourite Roger Moore film. Ah. See, that's how I feel about the Pierce Brosnan movies. Yeah. You know, when you grow no, up I, with, I, I you know, that. I understand why. why people who uh, were brought up with those films love them and I, I can completely mm. relate to that and uh, you know I, uh, just because I just because I don't like them doesn't mean to say that uh, somebody else uh, can't love them it's it's fine oh of yeah, course yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm... well you can do it Kelvin I think you and I are close in age and uh, you, can, you can get over Pierce it's all right <laughs> Well, on that bombshell, uh, we'll leave it here. Thanks, Paul, Calvin, David. Um, maybe next time James Bond won't be on an assignment and he can join us. We'll see. Um, until next time, uh, thanks, everybody. And uh, Oh, one last thing. Um, Calvin, where can people find you online? 
Oh, yes, you can find me uh, at youtube.com forward slash Calvin Dyson. Uh, and uh, yeah, please check out my videos if you haven't already. You might like them and might be offended by a lot of the opinions. <laughs> Especially if your name's David. David, how can people find you online? <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't think I do his uh, YouTube. Uh, it's rubbish. Um, <laughs> you, <laughs> no, not, not true. Uh, I haven't seen them all, but he's, he's got some uh, good stuff out there. Uh, you can find me at uh, thejamesbonddossier.com or on Twitter is also a good place. It's uh, 007 Dossier. All right, and from me and Paul from MI6, you can find us mi6-hq.com and from there, links to all the social media garbage. All right, guys. Well, thanks very much, and we will do this again soon.